0: Let's begin by praying. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here and that you guide us and direct us. Lord, we ask you that we would be connecting with you. And at this time, that you would speak to us and bless us with an understanding of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. So our, that's the end of our, our little video on 2 Thessalonians. I'll pop that up on our Facebook page. So if anybody wants to refresh, I can go ahead and do that. But I wanted to share that with you this morning because um, in the past when I've preached from this and I've talked about this, people have said, but Esteban, I've never heard about that before. Um, are you sure? Are, you, are, you, are you, you know 100% certain that this is what was going on? And, um, and what I want to say to you is, is yes, I am. <laughs> There's a lot of research for hundreds of years that have suggested that this, this client patron relationship was a big part of what was going on. And the reason why I wanted to highlight that for you is because sometimes we read these passages and we think about, oh, this is Paul saying that we all need to be out there working really hard to win souls for Jesus. Now, what I want to say to you is, firstly, that's not necessarily wrong, but that we need to change the emphasis. Are you with me, church? Because what we do first is love. That's what we do. And love is hard work. So sometimes when we're out there in the community, we keep reminding ourselves that we need to love our enemy. We need to love our oppressor. We need to love the one that is rejecting us. And we need to remember that it is not us that they're rejecting, but Christ at work in us. So that's the first thing that I wanted to to share with you and the first step that I felt was really important about how we come to an understanding of this passage. The second part of it is there is... A stressing here that Paul wants us to to really capture and hold on to. And that is to not sit in judgment of others who find themselves in these situations, but to distance ourselves from that. And that's the part that I need to explain to you. Because I think in the Christian church, we've read this at face value. Is that the right expression? We've just taken it for granted, haven't we? And as a result... We've looked at people who are idle or who are in these situations and we've gone, no, 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 the Bible says I need to stay away from them. But if we actually understand the context, we understand why. And my prayer and hope is that for some of us here today and those listening online, this might be an opportunity for us to maybe change our thinking and our mindset. And that God can help us engage in those spaces in meaningful ways in the future. So... I want to draw you to the book of Proverbs. Everybody, can you see this very clearly? Yeah. Would anybody like to read? <laughs> this is in the original language. This is, this is what the proverb actually says. And they use this word which I've highlighted in Hebrew, uh, which is atzer, atzer. This word has been translated as laziness, idleness. I was preparing the message in Portuguese, and the Portuguese word is sloth. Sloth. That's probably not a word that we use frequently today. This passage from Proverbs is roughly translated this way by the NLT. I walked by a field of a lazy person, a sloth, the vineyard of one with no common sense, and I saw that it was overgrown with nettles, it was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. The the wise person (laughs) in Proverbs is going on to explain how um, without work, without labor, the land which God has promised and given his people cannot be reaped. Now there is a picture and there's a figure here for us as Christians. Because the promised land for us is not a physical land with boundaries and uh, and territory where grass grows and figs and etc. But it is the heartland. Of Christianity. The place where the seed of the love of Christ is meant to find its, its dwelling place. And then uproot. Uproot? No. Shoot forth. Is that the right one? Thank you. Uh, sorry, every now and again I need to check my English just to make sure I'm not saying weird things. <laughs> but it needs to shoot forth and give fruit. And this is what we need to understand. So when the, the, the author of Proverbs is writing these things. The Christian in Jesus' day is hearing Oh, oh my goodness, I need to labor. I need to work towards seeing that fruit come forward and come out. However, we are as far from Thessalonica Thessalonica, as they were from the author of Proverbs. Thousands of years. And they missed a couple of little things from here. Perhaps Paul didn't. Perhaps some of the Jewish audience didn't. But certainly the Gentile Christians at the time. And this is where part of this confusion was coming in. Because you see, they didn't realize that the the promised land was holy to the Israelites. And that working the piece of land that they had was not just an act of service to God... But it was also part of that mandate of working to reconcile against sin. Remember in Genesis 3, we hear man had sin, and he will have to work. From the sweat of his brow, he will reap the toil of his labors. This is something that they took to heart. So when they were given this land, and this was part of their social security at the time. They were meant to work it as an as a expression of faith and worship. Do you have any gardeners in the house here today? Yeah? How beautiful is it when you're working out in the yard? Sun's beating down on you. You're seeing the plants flourish. You're, you're sowing life. Yeah? This is what they experienced. But for them it wasn't just the, uh, the satisfaction of seeing that come to life. It was an act of worship. And maybe there's something we can learn about that. Maybe. Not me, though. I, I have a black thumb, not a green thumb. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> maybe somebody else would like to come and teach me how to worship in that space. That will be nice. So we need to begin with this basis and this understanding that work, toil, labor, was a big part of that early Jewish expression. So much so that word-based understanding only came into place after they returned from exile. Why? Because they were no longer in that holy land. They were away from it. And they needed something else, something that would help them connect with that holy land. And that became the word. This is why we see that in Hezekiah, they dig up, the foundations of the temple. If you told a Jewish person this today, they would be aghast. They would be horrified to go to the side of the temple and to sift through the rubble. That's terrible. But this is what they thought. This is what they felt. They had been so far away, they did not connect with that land being holy. In fact, when they arrived, the land was full of what? Enemies who wanted to kill them, who wanted to get rid of them. Somebody's backing up. Oh, it could be a car alarm. Our our technician is just going to go and check on that. And so what we find is that they're digging up in the temple and they find the Word of the Lord. Yes, darling, they did. They found the Word of the Lord there. And they all fell down on their faces because they realized this was the incarnate Word of God. So their whole religion changed. It went from this the land being holy and working the land being a meritorious effort, to now we will open the Word of God. And that became a feature even unto this day. Why is it important that we understand this? Because there were things that were happening that were part of their culture, which seemed okay, but which didn't work with Christ's command for them. In 2 Thessalonians 3 verses 4 and 5, this comes just before our reading for today. And thank you, Noel, for jumping in at the last minute. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your heart. This word direct, it's actually got to do with giving order, with commanding, with saying, hey, this is the job you're going to do. And Why? So that these hearts would go into God's love and Christ's perseverance. I was having a chat. I think Rod, we were were having that chat on Friday about the little participles. And how sometimes, you know, they're not there. And I get really frustrated because I'm like, come on. I need to know what this is saying. And in this particular section, I love the fact that it is into God's love. It wants us to labor into God's love. Friends, this is so important for us to understand, because if we go out into the community and we talk about Jesus without love, if we share with them who we are as Christians and the conviction we have, but have not love, then Paul says in Corinthians that we are like a clanging cymbal. We are making a loud and horrible noise. And I don't know about you, but when you hear a loud and horrible noise, you tend to run in the opposite direction. So it's important that we understand that the work we do has to be in God's love and definitely not against it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. Now this is where things get a little bit... Confusing because the word that Paul uses here is the same word that the translators decided to use from our previous reading in Proverbs. But these are two different things. Friends, I really want to emphasize this for you. You see, these people were not lazy per se. They were not a sloth. What was happening was that they were connecting with this system of social security that they had at the time, which was the client patron system. And as we saw in the video, the client-patron system meant that whatever that patron said, they had to do. I love the image of the lady who, who pulls out the, the money bag and says, please fetch me a bag of six apples. That money bag would have had a lot more money in it than what would have paid for the apples. See, our Western mindset thinks she's giving uh, the, the client the money to just get the apples. No. In there, it would have been um, what we call in Spanish, la mano dulce, Or the sweet hand, the bribe, if you will, for them to go and get that money. So people were depending on that income. And that income came only with the goodwill of those patrons. And at any one point, those patrons could turn around and ask their clients to do something quite nasty. Paul struggled a lot with trying to get the gospel message into these cultures and communities that did not have that basis of understanding of sin and propitiation. Propitiation is this big Latin word that basically means to account for or to pay back your debt. And that was what a big part of Jewish worship was about. It was about everything that we do, whether it's working the land, bringing sacrifices to the temple, or sitting down and opening the word. It was all about coming and and going through that step of propitiation. But in the pagan world at this time, everything they did was not about propitiation. It wasn't about, I did something wrong, therefore I need to go and do something right. It was more that I live in this chaotic world, and the pagan gods, they have the control over it, so I must appease them, I must somehow comfort them, I must somehow get into their good books, and that is what's going to keep me going. That system, when translated to humans... Became the patron-client system. And it was a form of idolatry. So this is what Paul is wrestling with. And he's saying to them, friends, don't be this way. Work for a living instead, because then you don't compromise yourself. Now, I'm telling you, friends, loyalty is a virtue. Yeah? But we need to be aware of who we're loyal to in the first place. This is what Paul is saying in this verse. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. What teaching is that? Be loyal to Christ. Paul goes on to say in one of the other epistles, I am not of Paul. I am not of Apollos. I am of who? I know it's a cold morning, friends. But this is a responsive church. We are responsive to the Spirit. Amen? And if we are not loyal to Paul and we are not loyal to Apollos, we are not loyal to Esteban, we are loyal to... Christ. Jesus. And that is what is so important for us to understand. Because at the end of the day, we can go from church to church. We can go from country to country. I've shared with you before, my home church back in Brazil is a Presbyterian church. But they're not, you know, Presbyterians who talk like this all the time. They are are very different Presbyterians and look more like Hillsong than they do Scottish Presbyterians. But that doesn't matter because Christ was there and Christ is here also. And if you've come from another church or another country and Christ was there, please remember Christ is here also. And this is what's so important for us to know and understand that that work which has begun in us, it was Christ's. That work will continue with us so long as Christ is with us. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you have, what you hope, sorry, for will come true then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent instead you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance so gardeners what do you do when a plant fails <laughs> You rip it out, and yeah, you get another one from Bunnings. That's not me. That's not wrong with me. It's the plant. The plant is wrong. I get rid of the plant, and I go into it again. And yet, maybe with that, there's a little bit of change. Maybe I learned something as a result. But think about that plant as a soul. Think about that plant as a life. Think about that opportunity that we've had to bring and sow life and goodness into that situation. It's not so easy to go to Bunnings and get another one. In fact, it's so hard, it can sometimes cause us to quit. To say, I'm not going to plant anymore. I'm not going to work the garden of the Lord anymore. Paul here is saying, friends, there are times when you're going to pull up the shoots. But that's okay. Stick with it. God will reward your hard work and your endurance. I know there are some of you here today who are currently praying for loved ones who do not know Jesus or do not know the hope that is in Jesus. That's okay. I'm not going to promise you that your prayers will be answered tomorrow and you will see everything come to pass. I will promise you, however, that God hears your prayers. I will promise you that God Weeps with you for them. That God's heart goes out for them. As does yours. And I will promise you that God will hold that work that you are doing. And he will honor you for it. That is an expression of this endurance. That the author of Hebrews is describing. And it is so important for us to remember. Because we live in a world today. That says. You know what? It's easier to quit than it is to try. But I want to quote a great and venerable scholar who once said, do or do not, there is no try. That was Yoda, by the way. It's not from the Bible. You like that one, do you, Phil? I do. If we look to Scripture, we see that James, the brother of Jesus reminds us to work and never tire. But not to work in a way that is uh, without merit, without reward, but instead knowing that our reward is ultimately in heaven. He says, isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners working together? Faith expresses itself in works, and works are the works of faith. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence Adam believed, Abraham believed in God and was set right with God includes his action. It's that weave of believing and acting that God Abraham named God's friend. It is not evident that a person is made right by God not by barren faith but by faith fruitful in works. Thank you, Lynn. Our series in the book of Thessalonians is about... The next step in discipleship for us. Before, we may have been a wandering people, sojourning with Christ, but looking for that greener past pasture. I believe God is calling us, and in particular this community right here, to be a community that endeavors to see the God, the work of God realized before them. Not complete. No. The work will only be complete when Christ is again with us. But endeavouring to realise and see heaven here, now and today. There's a lot of people who say "This, this is a lost cause. The church is diminishing. Christianity is being redefined in so many different ways. But yet we need to remember That there's a good God out there who wants to embrace all of His children and bring them up into that wonderful space of glory. He wants to take them up and He wants to plant a garden with us all. That our fruit may be evident and that all will see that what we do, we do for the glory of God. I want to finish with a, a short illustration. When I was in missionary training college, we heard this story about a wonderful man of faith who achieved a high-profile role in the government in Papua New Guinea. And he would walk around Port Moresby. He wouldn't get driven around. Now, if you know Port Moresby, it's not that safe. But he would walk around in faith, believing that he would be safe and secure. And one of the things that he saw is he would see all these people who were begging for money. Now, they weren't begging for money because they were poor and destitute and impoverished. They were largely begging for money because the country had just moved from an agrarian system to a currency-based system. And people literally didn't have the cash to buy some of the things that the government was suddenly saying you can no longer trade papayas for. They wanted nice things. They wanted televisions. They wanted cars. They wanted these things of Western modern life. And this man would say to them as he saw them out on the street, look, I'll, I'll give you some money, I'll give you some help. But don't you know, you have a garden, you have a garden back in your village. And that garden right now is going to disrepair. It has overgrown. It is being left to, to go to, to rot. Fruit, food is rotting in your garden. Why not go and work that fruit and find a way to sell it? Find a way to to engage with that. Appreciate what God has given you. And don't lament the fact that you don't have something else. Don't fall into a system of client and patronage where your values are compromised and the fruit of your heart and your soul is rotting on the tree. This is the message for us today. Because I know many of you love Jesus. And you share that love openly and freely. Let's not let that love be like fruit that rots on the tree. Because if you can't eat it all, it's always nice to give it away. Amen? Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit speaking through us and connecting with us. Lord, let us exercise our loyalty unto you, knowing that it is you who leads and guides us, knowing that it is you who defines our love, knowing that it is you who empower us to do your great deeds. So continue to bless us with a deeper understanding of this. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've been sitting for a while. Why don't I invite you to stand as you are able and let us worship the Lord with this beautiful song, Agnes Day? Alleluia, Alleluia, for the Lord God Almighty reigns.